Real Goddess Discovering Your Divine Destiny by Cherie Sandal Episode 35 Best Languages Real Goddess is the most important thing you can know about in your life. It's the end goal of all we become in this life. Eternity is the wrong thing to be wrong about. You treat differently what you want to last forever. A wise man said that in this current day and age, women will be seen as different and distinct in the happiest of ways. And I'm here to rope you in, sister. The story is told of how our words and languages were mixed at the Tower of Babel thousands of years ago. What would it be? Maybe a thousand or so years after, maybe 2,000 years after Adam and Eve were living. And the first original language was Adamic language after our first father, Adam. So everyone spoke the same language. And then at the Tower of Babel, which I think is a funny word because now we have Babel, which means to learn a different language. That's one of the platforms you can learn a different language. They were all mixed. The languages were mixed. I mean, have you ever wondered how it could be that if we started out from one pair of parents, how all of our language could be so mixed up and so twisted so that we have so many different ways of speaking? Well, so language has always been an issue of trying to be understanding each other. So today I want to talk a little bit about the best languages. So thoughts on language in general. Language creates our thoughts, our expressions, how we show up in the world. Our body language communicates even more than our words. I was surprised to find that when you divide up how we communicate, like 10% is through our words and something like 65% is through body language. But that's a podcast for another day. But we have many kinds of language and so I'm going to go beyond the words we use and the way we try to understand through language to speak about three different kinds of languages. The first one is the language of love, the second is the language of honesty, and the third is the language of the spirit. So I remember reading the book called The Love Languages by Gary Chapman, like when we were first married, decades ago. And it talked about the five love languages. There's acts of service, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts of love, and physical touch. And the point of this book by Gary Chapman was that we should speak the love language of our partner, of our spouse, and that if we can just do that, then we will have a happy marriage. So I kind of thought about it and realized that I think my top two love languages myself are acts of service and words of affirmation. And then when my husband learned about the love languages, he, he found out what his were too. So we both could kind of know how we could serve each other. But it was so opposite in my mind of how to serve him when I was so big on serving him to show him my love, but he wasn't big on receiving it to feel love from me. So there was a problem. So I kind of forgot about it for a little while. And then decades later, maybe about 
five years ago, I picked up the book again, not realizing I had read it. And I started reading it. I thought, oh, this is kind of interesting. This author is telling us that we need to speak in the other person's love language. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about the opposites of love language because there there can be problems with this way. Now let's say that you have two people whose love language is acts of service. Great, that's going to be a brilliant combination because they speak that same language. Wonderful. But when they don't, it's really hard. It's natural for me to speak English, but if you suddenly told me that I have to speak French, it would be so unnatural and I'd have to really think about it hard and I'd have to make myself do it in certain situations. So it's not the easiest of things. So let's talk about this a little bit. I was kind of interested to come upon the concept that if we are in a marriage and we, or let's just say any kind of relationship, and our love language is acts of service, well, now we're going to talk about the opposites of love languages. So if you serve, but it's not in a way that supports your honey bunches or your person, whoever you have in mind that you're thinking of, then it's even a bigger deal than if you didn't. So if they are not serving the way that serves you, it's like almost worse than if they had done nothing at all. Okay, so um, let me give you an example. When we moved into our latest house uh, 10 years ago or more, we had been living out of boxes trying to figure out how to make the move across town and so I had young kids. The youngest was not even one yet. So we, we went through a lot of laundry, but I thought, oh, we can just make it to the next house. We'll hook everything up and we will get going again on our laundry. And so we move into this house and for two days, we're just trying to get settled. You know how it is when you're just trying to unpack, just trying to get your feet under you, trying to figure out who's going to sleep on what cushion on the ground for today. And so we're just trying to get ourselves put together. And then there was a neighborhood service activity to help a man who was in a wheelchair to be able to pour concrete a little ramp up to his garage back door so that he could get in more ways than just, well, I don't even know if he had a way to get in. Anyway, so it, it would have been, it was a very charitable good thing to do to, to pour this thing for this guy. And my husband, being just a really serviceable kind of guy, when he, he, I think he, you know, he wants to do what's right. It's not necessarily his love language, but I think he felt like it was the right thing to go and help this man. So what I had asked of him originally was, hey, as soon as we can get the washer and dryer hooked up and going, that would be fabulous. And he instead chose to go and help this man get his wheelchair ramp up to his house. And I remember thinking, wait, we really needed that laundry. You know, that was just, we just need that. And I know that you're off doing a really good act for another person, a kind act, but we needed that laundry. And I, and I felt, I felt bad. You know, I should appreciate, and I do appreciate that my husband would be someone who would help out in that situation, but it made me not very happy at all. And I'm still talking about today's in my, in, in my mind, I'm still thinking about it. So that was one way that the act of service went against and made things even worse, even though it's my primary love language. All right, so the next one, let's talk about words of affirmation. If you say words that are opposite of uplifting and edifying, then they are that much more damaging. 
So if someone tells you, you're just not doing a very good job, and you are a person who receives those words of affirmation, that is your love language, then someone telling you the opposite of what you want to hear is even like five times more damaging than if they had said nothing at all. Does this make sense? It's kind of like the weight is heavier. If you have a number one love language of words of affirmation and you get words of defamation, then you are going to be even that much more worse for it. So how about quality time? Well, so if your time spent with someone is not really quality, it's much worse than if there were no quality associated at all. What comes to my mind is let's say that you could, a couple who wants to spend time together, the man's idea of quality time could be sitting on a couch with his wife watching a ball game. And the wife, if she's not into watching the ball game, she might sit there and try to do it for her husband because that's what he wants to do. But if her love language is quality time and she is not liking what she's doing with her husband watching the game on the couch, then it's anti-effective. It doesn't even count as quality time. It's like, why even do it? Like this was uh, opposite of what you wanted to have happen. So you wouldn't even count that as quality time because it's anti-quality time together. All right, gifts of love. If a gift is given without a lot of thought, and it's just a gift to give, just to fulfill the love language, then it's even worse than giving no gift. So here's just a quick story. I remember several years ago, we were at Christmas with all of the family, all of the in-laws, and my brother-in-law gives this lamp to my sister-in-law for Christmas. And she kind of unwraps it and she's like, oh, is there something else in the box other than the lamp? Kind of like you could tell she wasn't totally excited about it. And he's like, oh, no, 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 it's, it's a lamp. And you can just see on her face, she's going to return it immediately. So let's say if her love language is gifts of love, but that wasn't a loving gift to her, that lamp is even worse. It makes it even harder for her to appreciate the gift if it was not well thought out. So it almost makes you nervous to even try to speak their love language because if you do it wrong, it's like that much more wrong than it could be right. And we'll talk a little bit more about how to maybe make these things a little smoother. But the last one is physical touch. So if touch is harsh, uncomfortable, or displeasing in some way, it's worse than none at all. And I don't know, as I thought about that, I thought, well, what about those Latvian babies or whatever that country was where the ones who were held thrived and survived and the ones who were not held didn't thrive? So maybe sometimes just physical touch at all, like someone who's being abused, maybe at least they're getting touch if that's their love language, maybe they're totally okay with it. But I don't know, I have to add to that this one works sexually too. If it's harsh, uncomfortable, or displeasing, it's going to be opposite of the physical touch that you really need to feel that love. Hopefully that's a no-brainer, but I did just want to see what the opposite of that was. So my question for you is, do you agree with these things? Could you debate me on these things? 
Would you think that the opposite really is that much more bad than doing it the right way? Let's move on to the second point, language of honesty. And I was brought to a brutal awareness of my dishonesty by reading the book Real Love by Greg Bear. And I would try to tell you that I am a honest person until I read his list of the ways that we are dishonest. So we're speaking of the language of honesty because it really makes a difference in who we are and how we express ourselves. And this one does include words. Honesty can include words, but it could also include a variety of other ways like the body language, like the example of my sister-in-law who you could, she could just tell she didn't like that lamp. You know, her honesty was coming out through her body language. So listen to this list and see if you agree with any of this. Some of the ways we actually are dishonest. Covering up or minimizing a mistake. Creating the impression of competence we don't have. Laughing at the humor of others when we don't find them funny at all. Blaming people for more than their share of responsibility for a mistake. Communicating an air of caring or another virtue that is exaggerated. Pretending not to care when we really do. Blaming people for how we feel when the responsibility is ours. Hiding our displeasure. Appearing to be more interested than we really are. Exaggerating our part in success. Minimizing the successes of others. Exaggerating our pain when inconvenienced or hurt or our anger when offended. Exaggerating our positive traits or habits. Minimizing the gifts others give us. Altering our appearance to win the approval of others. Being careful to not say the wrong thing so we don't appear stupid. Agreeing to participate in an activity only so someone will like us. And agreeing with people in conversation to win approval or avoid disapproval. Well, I can tell you, I've done every single one of these and some of them continuously throughout my life until I finally decided I need to be a real person. And when I read this list, I realized how I was being dishonest and how my language of honesty was not to be applauded in any way. So I've come to find that among other things, real honesty requires authenticity, self-care, openness, and faith that it will be received well. So when you're authentic, you are really going to say what you mean, hopefully in a kind way, but sometimes maybe not. Maybe it's just what needs to be said in an assertive way. Honesty requires self-care because if we care enough about ourselves and we do the things that support ourselves, we are also going to be telling the truth because that supports us ultimately. If we are open, then we are able to see that there are many ways to see things and that maybe the one way we think that our being dishonest is winning approval by someone else is not maybe the way. So to be open makes it so that you can be individual yourself and be okay with everyone else being individual too. 
And then faith was actually a biggie because I was so afraid, you know, I won't be liked if I tell them what I really think. If I tell the truth, they will not like me. So it actually comes down to safety. It's a safety issue. If I don't say anything or if I say what other people want me to say, I will be safe with them. I can remain on friendly terms. But the truth of the matter is that you actually come across a fake and they can fill it. So you have to have faith that it's going to be okay that you don't say what everyone wants you to and that you say what you really want you to. So it's not been the easiest thing for me to be an honest person, but I'm still working on it. I also know that as I have self-compassion for myself to express myself in an honest way, that the payoff will be big because I will have integrity with self. The language of honesty means caring more about what God thinks than what other things than what others think and loving ourselves as much as others so that anything anyone else speaks is accepted. So if someone else is going to tell the truth and we accept them, we can tell the truth and we can accept us and we can just trust that we're both going to accept each other. So acceptance is huge. All right, so now on to the third point, the language of the spirit. And this one is my favorite. Because this totally goes beyond languages of the word of the words we use. So the spirit, and I'm going to put out there the spirit of God, speaks to us in our hearts and in our minds. There are a variety of ways we receive inspiration, whether we are an auditory person, a visual person, a kinesthetic person and a variety of other interesting ways, like actually feeling things physically on our body. I mean, how the spirit communicates with you is very individual to who you are and how you normally receive things of an inner knowing. So the most advanced mode of communication is through thoughts without speaking, without language. Our heart without thinking, so not getting interrupted by the things of the mind, our body without efforting, which to me is more of a surrender place, and peace despite the evidence around us. So God's spirit to our spirit is the most direct avenue of communication through the modes we've discussed. If you've ever heard of a near-death experience you will probably relate to how most of them that I've read or heard about talk about how the communication is through your thoughts, that you don't speak anything and that you might come across a heavenly being and you just understand exactly what they want you to know. Like words are an encumbrance. So think about that as you think about spirit to spirit communication. So in spirit-to-spirit communication, we'll look at personal revelation from the spirit of God to your spirit as a four-legged stool. And it is based upon obedience. And this is what you do with following what you think you should do that is right through your heart. Open-mindedness, 
which has to do with your mind because if you are dead set on one way to do thing, something, you are definitely not going to be very open-minded. So opening up the mind and allowing the spirit to speak is huge. Um, the fruits are the third way that we will receive personal revelation. And that's based upon our own strong spirit, our, our spirit being strong so that we are able to know that the result of what we are doing is going to be correct and true. Kind of like where, what we talked about with the, the language of honesty. And then the last thing is that we feel peace. The fourth leg of the stool is peace. And this peace comes through the omniscience of God's knowing you and your situation perfectly. So if you know that God knows you and what's going on and you want to receive that communication from him, it's going to be through peace despite what's going around you. So just giving a little example of using the mind, heart, the fruits, and peace of how the Spirit speaks to you. There was one time where we were planning a family trip, and we were going to go up several hundred miles north to visit some family, and I just had this feeling as I kept preparing for it and getting ready that I should stay home. And I thought, well, why would I do that? You know, I always go on trips. I, you know, I have to be there. If I'm not there, how will anyone even eat? How will they know what to do? Who will remind them to brush their teeth? And so as these thoughts kind of crowded my mind, whenever I thought about staying home, I had a feeling of peace. So I finally had to get my mind so that it was on board. So I had the open-mindedness of what would it be like if I did stay home? Like, would I feel like I totally missed out? And then I felt in my heart this swelling of things would actually be really good if you stayed home this time. I think you really need this. And then I thought about the fruits. Well, what be, would the fruits be? I would have to explain to everyone or have it explained to them why I wasn't there and why I didn't show up. But otherwise, I would have a fantastic time at home because I've had a lot on my plate lately and I could just use a big break without having to get everyone ready to go for this trip, without making sure all the meals are prepared, and everyone brushes their teeth and everyone knows what to do. And I could just rejuvenate. And the more I started thinking about it, the more I realized, I think this is exactly what I need to do. So I prayed about it and said, Heavenly Father, I'm feeling like I'm supposed to stay home from this trip, but I feel these uncertainties about what's going to happen, how I'm going to have to explain myself to people. But I still had that same peaceful feeling and the swelling in my heart. So I did stay home and I did have a fabulous time and felt so replenished by the time the family came back. And now... If I just feel like I don't need to go on a trip because I just need a break and trips can be something that you need a vacation from, then I do stay home. So whether or not my family likes that personal revelation or not, it's really helping me in my life to be more grounded and level-headed and I guess in peace and happy. So the best languages come through having love, self-integrity, and personal inspiration through one emotional maturity with agency which means you're really choosing 
the biggest gift that Heavenly Father has given us, or I guess I should say one of the biggest gifts, is the gift of agency. Some might debate that our body is the biggest gift, but we can't even do much, you know, as far as agency without the body. So, agency. Two, the self-responsibility with the self-care we give ourselves. So this means really loving yourself to do what you know is right. And, and that when you are knowing yourself and taking care of yourself, then you are going to be loving yourself enough to do what is right and to speak in a language all around that communicates what is really true for you. And then the third thing, the best language comes through compassion and charity really understanding a more godlike way of loving self and others. So when you're able to love others and yourself, then you're going to do what's right because it feels right. You have that integrity and you have that agency to choose. And it's going to be more right than if you just try to please others. And if you put God first, then what you are doing is really going to be right because he can communicate truth to you and obviously other people cannot communicate to you what is true for you unless you've given them that stewardship but that's a topic for another episode so the emotional maturity with agency really choosing self-responsibility with self-care which is really loving yourself and compassion and charity really understanding a more godlike way of loving yourself and others So now let's think about the goddess and the language of the goddess. Well, first of all, I'm going to start with a question. Will the goddess, the potential goddess who you may become, have perfected the love languages we spoke about at the first of the podcast? The acts of service, the words of affirmation, the gifts of love, the quality time, the physical touch. Will she have perfected those love languages so that they are all equal in their expansiveness and abundance and that they all work perfectly for her? Or will it still be very specific to her and her characteristics and desires? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot in a mortal mind frame that we could make better and bigger and more whole. But I wonder if she will just be like, well, I just really like gifts of love. So even though I'm a goddess, you need to give me this thing. Fill in the blank. I need a new Porsche. I need a new um, diamond. Whatever. So I don't have the answer to that. I just wonder, will she be more well-rounded in her perfection of the love languages? Or will she be so true to herself that they're actually very different the way that they're weighted, the love languages? Okay, well, I do believe that she will have a perfect knowing. So personal revelation, the language of the spirit, will be very much thought to thought like we spoke about. And that having to receive something would be such a slow process, like she would have an instantaneous knowing. So faith isn't faith anymore with a perfect knowledge. She would be, and we would be, and I would be, and you would be, like our God, who is omniscient and has that perfect knowing. So language really is a non-issue at that point, as far as the language of honesty and knowing yourself. So I believe wholeheartedly she will be full of emotional maturity and agency, which combined together, I'm going to say, is the definition for empowerment. 
emotional maturity plus agency equals empowerment. Self-care won't even be an issue because she will have figured that out in her mortal existence and now she just knows exactly what she needs and can get it because she's a goddess. She can do whatever she wants. And charity, such that communication in words will in fact be the most archaic form of communication. Isn't it wonderful to think about how languages can work for us and sometimes just become extinct because it's just a mortal, lower man way of doing things? Yeah, it's really great to think about what language can become as it serves us and makes us the potential goddess and the eventual goddess that we know that we can become. I hope you will join me in awakening one million potential goddesses to their divine destiny by sharing this podcast and information with others you think would benefit. And I hope you use the very best languages.